Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, and let's go, let's go further with it tonight. Romans 12, 3, he said, I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Faith can be measured. Faith is described as no faith, little faith, great faith. And so when, uh, you know, God gives us a measure of his own faith, and then uh, depending on what we do with it, it will grow and develop or, or not. In verse 6, notice this, he said, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, this is the same idea as the measure of faith. Said out loud, according to, according to the proportion of faith. So that, that again, that, that helps us to understand uh, these degrees and measures are varying from person to person. And even in our own life, from season to season in our life, our proportion of faith it's not just stagnant and static. So uh, the list goes on. He says, you, you let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Look at the next verse. Ministry, let us wait on our ministering and the understanding. This is, a, this is the continuation of the sentence through here. On, uh, let us wait on our ministering according to the proportion of faith. Or the, he that teaches, how are you going to teach? According to the proportion of faith. Now, uh, that's not just talking about uh, technically teaching. This is Holy Ghost teaching. Hmm? Because you can teach just out of your intellect, out of your head, but that's not anointed revelation. If there's going to be anointing on it and revelations coming out, and people are getting light. You can't do that without faith. No man or woman can preach with an anointing and with revelation or teach with an anointing or revelation. No child of God can prophesy with an anointing and revelation except according to their individual proportion of faith. And as your faith develops... You can reach further. You, will, you can expect more. You know, uh, the first time I uh, spoke as a minister, I, I grew up around church, um, and I'm so thankful for that. But uh, when Phyllis and I went to Ramah, we'd only been there a few months, and I was no preacher uh, before we went at all. Phyllis is shaking her head. <laughs> and, uh, but we'd been to Rama, I don't know, four or five months. Well, it was Christmas break, right? So three months. <laughs> I'm into my ministry training three 90 days. 
<laughs> and we came back home for Christmas. And a church there in ta- uh, town asked me to speak on a Sunday morning. Now, I'd, I'd, I don't really remember why they did or how it happened, but relatives. My Aunt Lessie. My Aunt Lessie told them her, what, nephew was a, in Bible school. They said, well, bring him on. And so, <laughs> And this was a, a, a denominational church, uh, not a tongue-talking church. And, uh, man, I remember that, you know, that Friday and Saturday. We were only there just a few days, but that Friday and Saturday before that, man, I studied. I studied. No computers. Uh, yellow legal pad. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I studied and, and I wrote, huh? And strong, yeah, Strong's Concordance. <laughs> they used to not be on your iPad, brother. I mean, they were books that big. And, and, uh, and so I had some notes. And, and when they, we went to, uh, uh, well, Saturday I was driving through town, going somewhere. And on the local radio station, they came on and said, come tomorrow morning and hear Reverend Keith Moore. <laughs> At this, I about ran off the road. I thought, Reverend, Reverend, I'm a preacher? Now you, you may think that's uh, strange, but no, I, we hadn't decided that we were necessarily going to be teachers and preachers. I mean, we just, God said go to Rama, so we went to Rama. And I thought was we, maybe we'll be there a year and go back home helping our local church. And I about ran off the road. I thought, Reverend? Nobody ever called me reverend. And so we went to church that Sunday and I got, I got no speaking experience. And they turned the service over to me. And uh, I had my notes laid out. And uh, man, we, I was right on these notes. And, and I thought, man, for after a few minutes, I thought, well, I've been standing in one spot, not moving. I thought, well, I better move a little bit. And so I put my finger on my notes because I didn't want to, to lose my place. And I walked around and made a point or two and, and then come back. <laughs> and I said everything I had prepared for days in, what, 15 minutes? And then so I reviewed some of it again, and I'm done. Uh, what was the difference? That's where my faith was. Can we all with me? I, I, I didn't have enough faith to take my finger off my notes. For fear, I'd lose my place and my train of thought. <laughs> Huh? Am I expecting realms of new revelation <laughs> off of the verse? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm hoping to get through this. <laughs> Do y'all see why I brought this up? Because as time went by and we feed more and then exercise, you do it and you do it. Now, you won't develop 
depending on yourself. If you're just relying completely on your oratorical abilities, your intellect, your study, your preparation, there is a you can you can develop some in that, but there's a cap. There's a cap, and it won't be life-changing revelation, and it won't be the anointing, the manifest presence of God like we're talking about. So the only way you can have that is to step out by faith, and faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's also the, the confidence or the substance or foundation of things expected. That's what hope for means, expected. So the, the proportion of your faith will be exhibited in the measure of your expectation. Come on, did you hear that? The, the, the proportion or measure of your faith will be seen, it'll be exhibited, demonstrated by the measure or degree of your expectation. See, what was I expecting years ago when I was preaching, holding my finger on my notes? I'm, well, you know, you got to start where you are. But I'm not expecting like I'm expecting now after 40 years of this. Come on, can you see that? And then there was a point where Phyllis and I, we were, we were uh, released faith. We started to grow. I mean, we went for years, both her and Catholic Church and me and the Pentecostal and Baptist and Church of God churches. We, we gave, but it was more token giving, more ritual. Not faith. It was just something we did. And not with an expectation for harvest. Come on, can you see that? And then we begin to learn about sowing and reaping. Sowing in faith and then expecting. So we begin to expect. And uh, like you heard uh, the guys testifying earlier, we begin to expect that we'd be able to give one time $50. We hadn't done that before. And so we, we weren't able to do it at the moment, but we were expecting. We had sown our $5 and our $10, and we were expecting 50s to be able to sow at one time five zero. <laughs> now see if I'm, if, if I'm not expecting anything to come in then my measure of faith is not there. But if my measure, what am, what am I expecting? And you heard, uh, you heard the guys talking about that they, uh, you're, you're wanting to get to that next increment. Right? Uh, next number of figures, next number of digits. And that is scriptural, isn't it? Whatever measure you, you meet, that's how it will be measured to you. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Hallelujah. For the measure that you meet is how it will be measured to you. If you sow in tens, fives and tens, how will you reap? Not in multiplied hundreds. Now, I know that 25s make 100, but you won't reap in multiplied hundreds. You'll reap in multiplied fives and tens. But then, when you start sowing in hundreds, 
Now you've given God something more to multiply. Is that right? And why don't people sow in a larger increment and just stay at the same place for 30 years? Their measure of faith is not there to do it. There's no expectation. There's no excitement. So there's no action. Come on, can you see that? And people can mock us and make fun of us all they want to about our big offerings and our reaches and stretches. But this is the Bible. This is the way it works. This is what, this pleases God. Faith pleases God. It's not trying to buy anything and it should not be trying to show off at all. But it should be an increase. An increase. Hallelujah. We just had our, our board meeting for Faith Life Church and More Life Ministries and Faith Life International. And ever so often we get to a juncture and we say, okay, well, that's what we did last year. Uh, what do y'all want to do? Stay where we are? And they go, no. <laughs> No, we have to increase. <laughs> okay, we're going to increase 1%. Now, that don't sound like much, but uh, in 20 years, that's 20%. Huh? You do that every year? Faith Life Church Branson's up to 40% now. 40, well, in a few days, 41. <laughs> so, and More Life Ministries as well. And this church uh, is younger, so it's not quite there. What is it now? 22. 22 will be. It's 21 today. And after Vision Sunday, that's 22% of the non-designated general offerings is going outside of us That's that's that we're giving. And we are blessed. We are not hurting. Our bills are paid. Our needs are met, and we got plenty to give. But every year you roll around, okay, well, thank God for that. Yeah, we made it. Yeah, we're there. But what do we do now? Huh? Does it feel right to decrease? Well, tell me what pleases God. Big numbers? Big amount? Uh uh-uh, it's not the big number. What is it? Faith. Faith. If it's not stretching your faith, you're not making the Father smile about it. <laughs> it's got to be stretching your faith, at least some. So, um, you know, that, that's ministry. Whether it's uh, prophesying, you're going to do it in proportion to your faith or teaching or, or giving. I mean, look, look back in Romans uh, 12, what was it, uh, 7 again. Uh, he mentions... Go ahead to the next verse, if you would, please. And the next, this verse 8 is what it is. He said, uh, or he that gives, let him do it with simplicity. See, this is the same thing. How are you going to do it? According to your proportion of faith in simplicity. And he that rules, or he that shows mercy. And this would be giving to people in need. Uh, your, your charitable giving, they call it. Uh, your outreaches. How are you going to do that? Indirect proportion to your faith. And the reason so many people do so little is so little faith. That's what it is. Because as soon as your faith increases, the other thing will increase. That's not just a thought that I said. That's New Testament scripture, which we're going to right now. Are you ready? Y'all okay? Huh? Woo! 
looking for a little excitement. Just, just checking you out. <laughs> Go to, uh, what is it, 2 Corinthians, I believe. Yeah, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Mm-mm-mm. Some people are still trying to see if they believe I only spoke 15 minutes. <laughs> Phyllis was there. You were there. <laughs> and and what a good wife. She didn't make fun of me. She didn't bring up any points. She's just like, that was good, baby. That was good. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to point out everybody's deficiencies. <laughs> just, uh, you know, find the good points and encourage. And if people grow. Uh, They'll figure some things out on their own, too. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. He said, For we we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. That's a whole lot of yourself. (laughs) Right? And if you're not wise, you're dumb. So if, you're, if it, it's yourself, 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 and comparing yourself with, uh, it, it's not wise. It's foolish. But notice what he goes into from there, verse 13. We will not boast of things without our measure. There's that word. Measure. But according to the measure... Of the rule that God has distributed to us a measure to reach even to you. Paul was aware by by the Spirit of his scope of ministry. What was within it, what was outside of it. You are not called and anointed to do everything. And not everybody's ready for you. (laughs) But if you'll obey God, somebody's ready for you. And somebody will respond good to you. But we need to know, you know, uh, when they came to uh, uh, John the Baptist. uh, and And there was a point where John the Baptist's ministry was, as they say, blowing up. I mean, his, people knew about him. They didn't know about Jesus yet. And there was speculation whether he was the Messiah. And they came to him and said, tell us, who are you? Are you this? He said, no. Are you this? He said, no. Do you know you need to know who you're not? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> and don't let anybody use the word the with a title about you. The pastor. The apostle. The prophet. Nobody is the except he. Jesus is the apostle. The prophet. The teacher. The shepherd. You are an one. A one. Huh? And one. 
He's the chief shepherd. You the under shepherd. <laughs> Y'all okay? Huh? Don't forget it. Don't let anybody blow you up. <laughs> smoke you and, and, and try to tell you how amazing you are and you are single-handedly going to save half the world and you're going to do greater things than the Apostle John and Paul and Peter put together. You stop them in the middle of that sentence. You say, you got to quit lying to me. Now. No, but I'm prophesying. Yeah, but it ain't the Holy Ghost. And do not let people say these things to your children. Your children. And tell them. That they're going to do greater things than Paul. It'll hurt them. All this pressure. And then not be able to live up to it. You're headed for disaster. And God didn't call you. To be something amazing and great. He's amazing and great. He's supposed to. You're supposed to be a manifestation of him. Yes. And what was Jesus' ultimate thing? He said, he said, I can of my own self do nothing. Is that, is that what Jesus said? Come on, help me out. Did he say it? Then what are you going to do of yourself? Nothing. And he said, my, my doctrine is not mine. It's his that sent me. And, and I don't speak my own words. And, and the Father in me, he does the works. This is how you talk, child of God. This is how you talk. And it's not trying to be humble. It's staying real. Staying in reality. You're a vessel. That can be used. But you can do nothing of yourself. Nothing. And don't let people tell you. How great you are. It'll hinder your anointing. It'll hinder you. Don't, don't do it. He said. Verse 14, we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. I mean, notice how many times he talks about measure, 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 just in these two verses. As though we didn't reach you, we've come as far as to you in preaching the gospel of Christ. And so he's saying, I have a right to, to talk to you, to lead you. You came in under my ministry. You're within the scope. Of what God has called me to do. He's acknowledging. There are peoples and groups. He doesn't have authority over. Just because you are an apostle. Doesn't give you authority. Over everybody in the body of Christ. Apostle means a sent one. You're sent to a group. Paul talked about him being. An apostle to the Gentiles. And he said I magnify. Mine office. That's not making much of yourself. You didn't call yourself. You didn't anoint yourself. You didn't send yourself. You're making much of what he has done in you. And through you and by you. You're emphasizing him. Hallelujah. We stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. As though we reach not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also. In preaching the gospel of Christ. Don't let anybody, any stranger, show up to you, pastors in your church or, or in your ministry, ministers, and say, I'm an apostle, so I outrank you, 
and you have to listen to me. I mean, they should have lost you at you have to listen. Is that right? Because you don't. And you'd be foolish if you did. Because that is absolutely not correct. A stranger, you've never seen them. They got no right to speak into your life. They're no leader to you. You don't even know. Can you see what Paul is saying? I have come as far as to you. I did reach you. I did preach to you. You got saved under my ministry. So you're within my scope, within my measure. Keep keep going. Not boasting of things without our measure. <laughs> is he aware of his measure? <laughs> now come on, get it. There are things that's within your measure. There's things that are outside your measure. There are things that are in, in your measure of faith and grace today. But there are things that's outside of it today. You, you want to get there, but you're not there today. But walk with the Lord and let him lead you. Next thing you know, your measure will get bigger. It'll encompass more. Your proportion of faith will increase. Having hope. There's that word. I said, there's that word. Tell me what that word means. Having expectation. That when your faith is increased, tell me what will happen. We will be in, he's talking about his measure. Our measure will be enlarged. And part of it's going to be by you. Because you're going to work. You're going to minister. You're going to pastor these churches. and You're going to reach out in, in, in evangelistic ministries. And our measure, you and me together, is going to get bigger. But when's it going to get bigger? Help me out. When God's timing comes around. Uh-uh, that's not what he said. When, when's it going to enlarge? When's it going to expand? When, come on, read it out loud. When your faith is increased. That's when. Not before. Not some other way. So how, how does our faith come? How, how, how's that going to happen? <laughs> you need to go to some good meetings. <laughs> you need to be in a good church. You, is that right? You need to be partnered with some good ministry that's, that's feeding your faith. I don't mean with baby formula. I mean something strong that's going to help you and boost you. And then you got to use your faith. Can't just be only feeding. You got to use it. And when the Lord does with you, step out, do this, reach a little further, reach a little higher. You got to do it. And it'll be uncomfortable to your flesh. The flesh don't like it. The flesh wants a routine. The flesh wants, no, we got to do it same way, same way, same way. Why? Because that's easy. I don't have to think about it. Famous last words of dry and dying churches. We had never done it that way before. <laughs> Implying, and we won't. We, we can't change. And it's that word, can't. 
Ooh, that's a bad word. It's a four-letter word. It's an ugly word. And I'm talking about in light of when the Lord tells you to do something and you dare to reply to him, I can't. We can't. That's what I believe Phyllis saw the other night in the spirit. I can't. What is I can't? The door shut, locked, and boarded up. When the Lord told you to do something and you tell him, you can't. And you're right. If you believe you can't and you say you can't, you can't. But you can when your faith is increased. Oh, that was worth you coming to church for right there. I said you can. You can what? You can do what you couldn't. You can do what was impossible for you or your group or your area or during such a time as, as this. COVID shutdown, crazy times, economy, whatever. Uh, there, you always hear these voices telling you you can't. That's not going to work. No, not here. Not for you. Not in your place. Not now. You know, maybe, maybe a little later on. You know, when you get to later on, what the devil's going to tell you? No, not, not now. No, I'm sorry. Now, you know, maybe, maybe four or five years. I, I don't, I don't know. You know what he's going to tell you when you get there? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but not now. And the only way he can do that is if you and I will agree with him. And if he says you can't, we go, well, I guess we can't. Then you're stuck. So it's true. If you believe you can't, say you can't, you can't. But you could if your faith increased. If you Notice what he said. When he said, I'm expecting. Does Paul have faith? And this is the Holy Spirit talking through him. For all generations, he said, I, I've got hope. I've got confident, joyous expectation that when your faith is increased, and I know it's only increased because I've been preaching to you, and I know what I'm preaching to you, and what I'm preaching to you will put faith in you, and so it will cause us to enlarge. Our rule and our measure will enlarge abundantly, and that is God. If you want to know what God is like, don't go to the library and look up a dusty old theology book. Look up in the night sky on a clear night. Look at what Abraham looked at. God, you know what God's about? Increase, expansion, enlargement. That's what, that's what you and I, that's the whole plan. He's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. For what? Phase two. What's phase two? Increase. Expansion. Enlargement. What's he going to do with millions of faith-trained sons of God? He's got a plan. He knows exactly what he's going to do. With you and with me. What are we going to do? We're going to rule. We're going to reign. The kingdom of God's going to be established everywhere. 
It will never end. Hallelujah. And it's just going to keep. <laughs> and how are you going to do it? How are you going to do it? Same way he's always done what he does by faith. We're going to do it by faith. He'll tell us to do something. And hopefully we won't be going, uh, I don't know if I can or not. Hopefully, after a period of time, he'll say, do this. We'll go, yes, sir. Yeah, but it don't exist. Well, we've been here before. <laughs> Is that right? You remember back on earth, the rent, the rent money didn't exist. Is that right? <laughs> money for the kids didn't exist. You remember that? Healing didn't exist. It wasn't there. So what do you do? You call those things that be not as though they were. You believe it in your heart. You say it with your mouth. And you expect. You expect. It to come to pass. <laughs> Whoo. Mm. Hey. When will we be enlarged? And the measure of our rule and terrain in life and our scope of influence and ministry. When? When? Look, what's the verse say? When? It says, when? 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 Your faith is increased. That's when it's going to happen. That's the answer to a million and one sniveling, crying, Kleenex wasting questions <laughs> about to happen when how much longer when is it going to happen when when oh when oh when God are you going to do it (laughs) dry your nose and tell us when you're going to quit crying and feeling sorry for yourself and when are you going to start believing God when are you going to quit saying I can't When are you going to quit saying, I just can't. We just can't. I'm sorry. We can't do that right now. I'm sorry. That's just too much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And what folks don't realize is they're not telling their brother or neighbor or preacher that. They're telling God that because he's the one told them to do it. And he doesn't enjoy that. He doesn't like that. It displeases him. Go with me to Numbers, if you would, the 13th chapter. Numbers chapter 13. Everybody okay? Ooh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'm moving a little too fast. Hold your place there. In Numbers, and go to First Timothy six. First Timothy six. There is a saying among some folks, and they're really emphasizing it in our recent times, in our generation, that the main thing you need to do as a Christian is let go. 
and let God. Because he has done it all and he does it all. And the implication is that it is really independent of us. And there is a truth that the covenant is in Jesus and in Christ and he has paid the price for everything. But that doesn't mean you've received it all. And we saw in Romans 5, Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 3 that we have access. Oh, somebody say access. We have access into this grace by what? What? Huh? Faith? By faith. We have access into this grace. By faith. Let me read you a, a definition of that too that's, that's rich along that line. That word, and there's a couple of words that's translated that, it means admission. Admission is how you get in. How you get in. It also means to bring into the presence of, to approach The English has to do with the freedom or ability to enter. It's how you get in. How do you get into the family of God? How do you get into the body of Christ? By grace you are saved. There'd be nothing to receive. There'd be nothing to enter into if not for grace. The grace of God is all that God has given us. And Jesus took our sins. He bore them all. He paid for them all. He satisfied judgment that was pending against us. And he removed it out of the way. And he gave us his own righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People get upset sometimes if you say, I'm the righteousness of God. But you really shouldn't say it that way. You left off the two big words at the end. Huh? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And you're not bragging on yourself. It's not your righteousness that you came up with. It's his righteousness that he gave you. And now it belongs to you. But you didn't do a thing in the world to make it happen and earn it or deserve it. All you did was receive it. And yet you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. But all that he has given by grace must be possessed. By faith. So when people say let go and let God, look at 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. Fight the good fight of faith. Does that sound like letting go? Huh? (laughs) Just, Just be still and quit and let God do it. Huh? What's the next phrase? Let go. Huh? What, what's the next phrase? Let go. What you need to do is let go. Child of God, 
It is the enemy that wants you to lay down and do nothing. It's the enemy who wants you to not lift a finger and leave everything up to God that he has left up to you. Then you will be robbed. You will not possess. You will not enjoy the the um, type for all that we have in Christ is in the Old Testament in the giving of the promised land to God's covenant people. Do, do you believe that? New Testament refers to it repeatedly that that is a type. These things are types for us. Well, how did the type work? You will find, look sometimes in the book of Deuteronomy, not right now, but in the book of Deuteronomy, how many times the word possess is in there? I mean, it's almost on every page, seems like. Possess, 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 possess your possessions, possess, possess. What does possess mean? It means lay hold. It can also be translated, take hold, take it. Take, somebody say, take it. Now, religious folks don't like that. They don't like that one little bit. They're like, ooh, ooh, no, that's presumptuous. That's proud. Who do you think you are? you got to leave all that up to God. Yeah, that's the enemy lying to you, pretending like that's God. Who doesn't want you to take the promised land? It's the giants sitting on it. It's the enemy trying to convince you that you have no part to play in this. But God hasn't changed. What is this a type of? If there's no possessing to be done in the new covenant, what's the type mean? Why? Because they had to fight. I said they had to fight. And the whole first generation did not enter in. Did not enter in. You know why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their lack of faith. Uh, go, to, go to Hebrews. Third chapter. I hadn't forgot about numbers. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 3. Said out loud. Fight. fight. The good fight. Good of faith. Okay. Take it. Take. Lay, hold. Lay hold. Seize it. Why? Why would you need to do that? You're not seizing it from God. He's the one gave it to you. You're not trying to rend it out of the hand of God. You couldn't anyway. <laughs> if he didn't want you to have it, you will never have it. But he's already given it to you. And John, it talks about you. A man can take unto himself nothing except it be given from heaven. And, and that, there's that phrase. You, you can't take it unless it's been given to you. But then you're not going to enjoy it, even though it's given to you, unless you take it. You've got to take it. You've got to take it. You've got to take it by faith. Now, you will encounter some resistance when you start thinking like this, talking like this, preaching like this, because the enemy hates this. Oh, he, he is actually scared of this. He hates this. He does not want this catching on in your church. He really likes the just let go. 
and let God. What does that mean? Do nothing. And boy, people's flesh likes that message. Huh? What do you got to do? Nothing. Nothing. Just come to church if you want to. If you don't, you know, because God's already done it all. Jesus has already done it all. He has, but he didn't receive it for you. And he's not going to receive it for you. <laughs> he, he, he's told us to receive it. By grace, you're saved through the laying hold, through the taking, through the believing you receive, which can easily be translated, believe you take it. Not, why would it be a challenge? Why would it be a fight? Because the enemy will try to prevent you from taking it. Even though he has no legal right to, and even though they're not stronger than the one inside you, they know if they can trick you, fool you, wear you down, somehow get you to quit, then you won't possess. You won't enjoy Which is why it requires faith and persistence or patience. Hebrews 3. How much can you take tonight? Huh? Both barrels? (laughs) Both? The whole roll. Jerome said the whole roll. Uh. Hebrews 3 and 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Everybody say, harden not your heart. That is the door. Closed. Locked. With the uh, boards boarded up. What is that? That's a hardened heart. He said, uh, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works in the uh, 40 years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation. I said, they, they always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. What's part of God's ways? Faith. He's a faith God. He functions by faith. He requires faith. Faith. Confidence. Trust. Obedience. He said, uh, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not, what? They won't enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. Is that applicable today? Does anything applies to us today? Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you. An evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now this, you know, Paul said... Uh, God had mercy on him because he did, you know, persecuting the church, all that stuff. He did it ignorantly in unbelief. But if you look up the different words that are translated this, and in this passage and some others, they also translated disobedience. Instead of saying unbelief, it'll sometimes say disobedience. Same word in the King James Bible. And if you look it up in Vines and the other places, it talks about obstinate, unwilling, and rebellious. See, it's one thing to be in unbelief because you don't know. 
You haven't heard. You're not aware of it. You don't understand. So you're not believing for it. You're not expecting it. How can they believe if they haven't heard? But when you've heard and you know and you understand what God told you. And then you turn around and tell him, I can't. That is not innocent ignorance. There's something else going on there. It's a defiance. It's a rebellion. It's disobedience. It's an evil. Come on, can you see that? Evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And if you've gone very far in these things, you've seen this. You've seen this in people. Phyllis and I have had people look at us before. And and we're, we're not trying to tell them what to do per se. But we told them what was right and what the word said. And, I, and I've had people look at me and go, well, I don't care. This is what I'm doing. That's how you get judged. That's how you lose what's precious to you in life. That's how you die young. That's how you miss out. That's how you come short of the grace of God. Come on, are y'all listening, church? What do you mean? Well, are you going to access the grace of God like that? When it takes faith to access it? Faith agrees with God. Faith believes God. Right? And faith responds to God. And come on, listen to this one. And faith obeys God. Come on, did you hear that or not? Faith obeys. It takes trust to obey. Abraham went out and obeyed. What? Not knowing. Right? Why? Trust. Trust. He could have said, God did not control his will. He could have said, I can't do that. You know, I got mama and them, I got the family. Kids are in school and, you know, it's taken us 20 years to build the, the, the company up to where it is now. I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even have anything in place for my, for my relocation. I'm sorry, God. But I, I just, did you, what's he about, what are you about to say? I just, I just can't. This is a word you don't tell the Almighty. That means you don't know who you're talking to. He tells you to do something. You don't turn and look at him and go, I can't. Do you not think he knew before he told you what you could and couldn't do? Who do you think you're talking to? And and, and people don't just say it. They are adamant. Yeah, but you don't understand. What I've been going through. And I'm just not in position to deal with this right now. Well. This is how you spiral around in the dry wilderness. For four decades of your life. And never enter in. Oh come on are you hearing these words or not? Never enter in. To what God had for you and called for you. And how after 
20, 30, 40, sometimes 50, 60 years, people are old and broken and bitter. And they keep saying, I just always thought there was more. Well, there was. But you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't obey. You told God you couldn't. And so he will let you. He'll let you believe what you want to believe. Keep reading this. Does this apply to us at all? This verse says, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you that same evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily. And this is one reason why we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to get together and tell it, remind each other, uh-uh, don't say can't, uh-uh, no, no. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And then if you're slipping a little bit some other time, they'll tell you what you told them last year. And they say, hey, no, you can do it. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can. I know they've been mean as everything, but you can walk in love with them. I'm telling you, you can do it. Just put one foot in front of the other. Just smile. Do I say anything? Just smile and wave. Just forgive them by faith and just obey God. I, I can't. Hush, hush. Don't, no, no. Come on, practice it with me, church. I, I can do all. What is it you can't do? What, what is it you can't do? What is it you, you, you can't do? Anything that God tells you to do, can you do it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is nothing that he would tell me to do that I can't do in him. And if you say, well, God, I'm going to need your help. Did you think he didn't know that? (laughs) He knows you can't get out of bed without his help. You think he don't know you? (laughs) Of course he was planning on helping you. Every step of the way. (laughs) For we're made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, notice he keeps coming back to this. Today, if what? If you'll hear his voice and what? Don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Can a believer harden their heart? Oh, yes, they can. It's happened too many times. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not could not enter in to that beautiful promised land that flowed with milk and honey where you can where you will have houses you didn't build and vineyards and gardens you didn't plant and you will you will be rich beyond what you've ever been and you and your family can enjoy the peace and the blessing of God they couldn't get into that and, it, and they thought it was because of the giants and the walled cities 
and the iron chariots. But that is not what kept them out. Tell me what kept them out. Well, tell me the only thing that can get you in. What gives you access? What gets you in to the grace? What God has given? Only faith. Well, if you're going to reject faith and harden your heart and become stubborn and say, well, I know I can't, then you're, you're not going in. And you can be mad and you can blame everybody else. And it can be a terrible, hard, miserable life and you can die young. But it was nobody's fault but yours or mine, whoever did it. No, we live in a world that is permeated by the spirit of disobedience. I mean, little ones are not on the face of the planet two years. And for some reason, they want to look at you and go, no. (laughs) Have you ever seen it? No. It ain't cute. I said, it ain't cute. If if this does not get fixed, it can ruin their lives. Because if they'll tell you no like that. They'll tell their teacher that. They'll tell their coach that. They'll tell their spouse that. They'll tell their pastor that. They'll tell God that. And it'll destroy your life. They could not enter in because of unbelief. Go with me to uh, to Numbers. Let's remind ourselves there's a reason why This is recorded in the Word of God. The Lord wanted us to have it. I mean, we have quotes, quotes, specific quotes of what was said and the response and then what was said in the response from centuries and centuries ago by the Holy Spirit. Why? The Lord wants us to see clearly what unbelief is, what faith is. What to do, what you never do. In Numbers 13, they gathered the spies. They sent them to look the land. Verse 18, he said, go and see the people that dwell there, whether they're strong or weak, few or many. See what the land's like. See what the cities are like, what what the land is. And they went up, verse 23, they came to Eshcol and they found a, a branch with one cluster of grapes that they had to bear between two guys on a staff and pomegranates and the figs. Are they seeing evidence that God told them the truth? It is a land of bounty, abundance. And uh, verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went, verse, this is 1326, they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Of course, you know, this is what, um, over a month they've been gone and everybody's anticipating their return and everybody's been looking forward, you know, with great interest for over a month to hear their report because all, everything has happened up to this. This is where they're supposed to go. They have heard. That this is their new home. And this is the greatest thing they've ever heard about or, or, 
or, or, or could conceive. And so they come and they, uh, they brought back word, verse 26, and they showed them the fruit of the land. And everybody went, oh, you ever seen grapes like that? Not in my life. Would you look at those figs? And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us. And surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. You couldn't deny that. It's staring you in the face. Nevertheless, here's where it all went wrong. Come on, y'all with me or not? Why am I talking about this? I know a lot of you have read this. You have heard this before. Why are we talking about it tonight? Can you detect this when it's starting to work? Can you, can you see it when it's coming before you're engulfed in it? Because this stuff is nasty contagious. Unbelief, fear, defiance, rebellion, it is dangerous, deadly contagious. That's why the Bible warns you about that evil communications corrupt good manners. He that walks with wise men will be wise. A companion of fools will be destroyed. How many think to get in God's face and tell him you can't do something he told you to do is being a fool? Then you don't want to hear and hang around people that talk that way. Don't don't think, well, you know, I I know better. I know better. They're, They're my bud. They're my friend. If they're not coming your way, If they are rejecting what you're telling them, because they're rejecting what God's telling them, you're in danger of being changed yourself. Whether you think you are or not. See, that's pride to think you can't be influenced by somebody you're around 30 hours a week. That's ignorance. And that's pride. You're going to be influenced. I mean, you watch a commercial too many times. <laughs> huh? That's right. Yeah. You'll be droning along in your car and go, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> oh, what are we? <laughs> that got in you. It got in you because you heard it. Too many times you were around it too many times. That's why big corporations are are willing to spend billions on advertising because they know it programs people to go buy their stuff. Elsewise, you would never spend that kind of money. No, it matters who you're around, who you talk to, who you share with, who you commune with. Hmm? What did the Lord say in the New Testament? Come out from among them and be separate. Because what communion does light have with darkness? Or a believer with an unbeliever or an infidel? What's he saying? None. You, you don't. And it's not going to work for you just to hang indefinitely. It doesn't work. Somebody's going to come one way or the other.
identify, learn to anticipate it. Oh, I'm so thankful. After, you know, 40 plus years of this, Phyllis and I, you know, like we talk about ministering, you didn't do now the way you did it then. But more and more, we can hear a half ounce of unbelief in a sideways said statement, and both of our antennas go, poop. Mm-mm. Not around here. Mm-mm. We are not going to talk like that around here. We're not going, uh-uh. You can hear that, that tint of self-pity. Feel sorry for me. Woe is me. It's so bad. It's so bad. Nobody knows. It's so bad. That's unbelief, child of God. Oh, I lost somebody right there, didn't I? You cannot keep talking about how bad it is and be believing how good God is and how good your outcome is going to be. You, you can't do both of those at the same time. You can't keep talking about how bad it is. Oh, you'll be pulled. Everybody's got flesh. Yes, you'll be pulled. And all you got to do to be negative is wake up in the morning. And just say what crosses your mind. And just say how you feel. And go, oh, oh, this hurts. Oh, I don't feel good. Oh, I don't know. I just don't know if I'll go or not. Because, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Did the Lord tell you to go? Come on. Did you better... Hit your wagon and get moving. He didn't give you a bunch of qualifiers if your emotional state was at this place or not. Well, I'm just having a bad day. Well, quit it. Quit having a bad day. Now, now people get mad about that stuff. But greater is he. That's inside of me. Then all his feelings and this junk around me. Is it or not? Yes. Is the junk bigger than him? No. no. And so it's where my mind is. To be carnally minded is death. Spiritually minded life and peace. Notice right here. What kind of land is it? Oh man, it's beautiful. Mm. Rolling hills, grass, streams, figs. We brought, have you ever seen figs like this? Did you see that bunch of grapes? That's got to be a world record. I never saw grapes like that. Have you seen that? And oh man, I mean, uh, you know, we, we had to irrigate over in Egypt. And you don't even have to irrigate. You don't have to plumb anything. God rains on it. He just rains. You got the early rains and then it just blooms and grows. And just at the right time, here come the latter rains and it just finishes up the crop. And but here's where it all went wrong. Huh? Nevertheless. What does that one word mean? What, do, what does nevertheless mean, though? In, I'm not just talking technically. In context, what does it mean? It means it doesn't matter how beautiful the land is. It doesn't matter how big the grapes are because we're never going to eat them. 
Do you hear the tone? Come on, do you hear the tone? It's a negative, it is a bitter, it is sarcasm, it is disrespect. The Bible said they brought, well, we're almost to it. It said they brought up an evil report against the land. What does that mean, an evil evil report? This is God's words. They personally disrespected him. Why do you think he became angry about this? See, they went on to say, let's just read it. They went on to say, yeah, it's got all that. Verse 28, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled. Well, the Lord didn't tell you that there wouldn't be anybody there. He didn't say there wouldn't be any walls. (laughs) Just because it surprised you, I don't mean it surprised him. And we saw the descendants of Anak. Everybody went, (gasps) not the Anakim, not the, mm -hmm. (laughs) talking about some big boys. And the Amalekites, Amalekites too, they're in the south. (laughs) Guess who else is there? Hittites, no, them Hittites is mean, buddy. Jebusites, Amorites. You got them in the mountains, and Canaanites on the sea. Place is infested. <laughs> with some big ones. It's infested with all them mites. And they're just, all them mites, and there ain't no way. No, we're laughing. Do you remember what this resulted in? Huh? Hundreds of thousands of people never seeing the will of God that he had planned for them. Hundreds of thousands of people dying young, dying prematurely in a barren, dry, hard rock life place. Just circling around. On a circle to nowhere. As the precious years of their life just clicked by. Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. And I'm sure they're going, I am so sick of this. I'm thinking about just killing myself. It's not God's fault. It ain't Moses' fault. It's not Aaron's fault. And you can say what you want to. It's not the Amalekites' fault. It's not the Jebusites' fault. It's not the Giants' fault. It's not the Wall City's fault. What kept them from entering in? Come on, help me out. They could not enter in because of unbelief. What happened? I believe uh, what Phyllis saw in the Spirit is from the Lord on that door. And why would it be that way? Shut, locked, boarded up. And she perceived in her spirit that it was God wanting to do things for people through that, but it's. And people say, well, hey, God is God. If he wants in there, he will blow that door off the hinges. No, he won't. 
No, you're ignoring the Bible. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door. Didn't he say it? And he didn't say, if I get tired of waiting, I'm blowing this door off. No. If you don't open the door. He said, if any man will open to me, I'll come in. Well, what if you won't open? Then he's not coming in. And you'll be without his help, without his counsel, without his presence. And it wasn't him that wouldn't open the door. You can hear the door close on this word, nevertheless. Y'all with me, church? Oh, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's just like God told us, but we can't. We won't. And every time you reinforce that, we can't lock, we won't board, there's no way, boom, boom, boom. Come on, can you see this? Not God's choice. Not God's will. None of this pleased God. It made him mad. And one of the reasons it made him mad is because he knows what's going to happen to them. And he doesn't want that. He wants them in a hammock on their own 500-acre vineyard. Oh, come on, y'all, listen to me or not. He wants them in the back porch of their wonderful house with a pool. Come on, he wants them. With their beautiful children and and their family. Enjoying the presence of God. Going to the temple and praising and worshiping. God had a plan. He had a plan. He had a plan. And they said, no. We can't. And then it went beyond that. We won't. We can't and we won't. And then they developed another plan. No, we're going to do this. That's what made him mad. He had every right to be mad. How many understand? If God gets mad, he's got every reason to be mad. Keep reading. Caleb interrupted him. That's what Phyllis and I were talking about. Right? That as we keep going, we learn, we, we pick up on things. We go, uh-uh, no, no we got to stop that right here. That's before, that's, before that gets started. We can't look that way. We can't think that way. We can't talk that way. Caleb, everybody's going, giants, Amalekites, Jebusites, walled cities, iron chariots, you know. And Caleb says, hey, 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 hey. Everybody goes, huh, huh? Because they know he was there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He saw it too. He saw it. He said, let's go get it. Yeah. <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Woo! Let's, let's go get it. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Let's go get it. Yeah. Possess it. Let's go take it. Let's go lay hold on it. Let's go seize and possess it right now at once. 
You talk about two different worlds. Right? People, you talk about carnally minded and spiritual. Right? Come on, can you see this? Unbelief and faith. Oh, man, it's, this, why is this in the Bible? Because of this. I was looking at something the other day. We, we talked about this, about race is not in the Bible that I can find. And, and, and I've studied this some. There's no scientific basis for race. It's built on evo, based on evolution. To believe in race, the difference of the races, is to be an evolutionist, which is to, not, to deny the Word of God. Why am I saying that? Because the Bible talks about Every kindred, every language, every nation, every people. What's a kindred? My kin, folks, is Moors. Hmm? What's my language? Mostly English. <laughs> Mississippi English. <laughs> Don't knock it. What's my nation? The U.S. of A. Hallelujah. What's my people? Just because somebody shares a similar skin tone to you, that does not make them your people. Y'all listening to me or not? No, it does not. No, it does not. Who's your people? You're getting ahead of me. (laughs) Where I was born, where I grew up, uh, Southerners were my people, uh, Christian, Pentecostal, and what have you. But there's been some changes over the years. You know, they asked about Jesus when his mother and his brothers were standing out the door and they made a big deal out of you. Come on, y'all know where I'm going with this? They said, hey, hey, your blood is standing out the door. He didn't even get up. He didn't even get up. He didn't even go to the door. He looked around. He said, you know, who's my mother and brothers and sisters? They that hear the word of God and do it. What's he saying? That's my people. That's my people. You know who my people are? You my people. You. You my people. Bible toting. Confession quoting. Not moved by what you see or feel. You my people. I'm your people. Our people are the people of God. Our people are faith people. If you want to rebel against God and blaspheme, you ain't my people. No, you're not my people. Somebody says, well, you know, it's it's the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. No, it's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus told some of the most religious people of his day who were also Jewish people. He said, you are of your father, the devil. Didn't he say it? No. Everybody's not your people. And we need to quit talking that way. We need to quit, stop letting the world tell us how to talk and using the world's language. 
Brother Hagin used to say this frequently. He said, I like my company. I like my company. Because the Bible said, you know, when the apostles got in trouble and got whipped and everything, then they returned. They went back to their own company. Went back to their own company and their own company rallied around them. And you know what they didn't say? You poor pitiful things. You poor pitiful things. You got to quit this. You got to quit this preaching the gospel. No. They all prayed with such fervor and faith that God shook the house. And their prayer wasn't, we're quitting, help us hide and run away. Lord, you know, stretch forth your hand that signs and wonders will be. We're going to preach this louder and stronger than we have ever preached it. God, back it up. Confirm it. That's my people. That's your people. Who's your people? Caleb. Caleb and Joshua? That's my peeps. That's that's my people. Come on, think about the setting. This fear is rushing through hundreds of thousands. There's a lot of people there. Hundreds of thousands of people. And they've come and they've told their sad tale about how there's no way. Caleb finally quietens them down. And the first thing he says is, let's go get it. Let's go get it. Let's, let's go up now at once and possess it because, because we can, we can, we can do it. We are, we're not just able, we're well able. Oh, just those two things will help you identify this stuff way off when it gets started. I can't, or we can. Come on, can you see this? I can't, or, or I can't. You guys, where's you? You guys are, your church is kind of in a rural area. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cornfields around? Cornfields, yep. In a cornfield. In a big cornfield. In a big cornfield. You can't have multi million dollar church building. <laughs> We've been told that. <laughs> but you don't believe it. We don't believe it. You, did, you wouldn't accept that. No. You wouldn't accept that. No. Somebody said, I can. I can have anything. Well, God tells me I can. I, I, I can take anything he tells me I can take. I'm well able. I'm well able by the Spirit of God inside me. And say, friend, this is big. This is encompasses all kind of things. I do not have to be depressed. I can take my joy. I don't have to be sick. I can take my healing. I don't have to be broke. I can take my provision. I don't have to be scared all the time. I can take my peace. I don't have to be down and defeated. I can take my victory. I can take my joy. I can take it. Everything is available in grace. doesn't have to be produced or worked up or bought. It's there. Just like the promised land was 
it was there. And what God had told him in Deuteronomy is recorded. He said, I have given you the land of Canaan. The very next phrase, he says, go up and possess it. That's how it works. I've given it to you. Well, they got excited about that. There, there were this, this rumbling throughout the camp for, for months and months and months about because, you know, they knew Moses heard from God. They had seen it. And he keeps talking about this beautiful place, this land that flows with milk and honey. And they were, they were jazzed about it. They, until it dawned on them, we're going to have to take it. Until they realized it wasn't grace only. What do you mean? Grace doesn't possess it for you. Grace provides it for you. Grace gives it to you. Come on, are you with me or not? I mean, they were hyped when it was just grace. Huh? Why? Grace is all that God has given you. And when all they're talking about is that God has given us this beautiful land that flowed with milk and honey, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can sing, we can praise, we can shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God has done it all. God has given us everything. God. (laughs) And then the, the spies come back. And go, it's already occupied. There's people living everywhere. (laughs) They think it's theirs. (laughs) And when they realized, like Brother Hagin used to say, it's not going to fall on them. Like ripe cherries off a tree. They're going to have to take it. They're going to have to believe for it. They're going to have to reach for it. They're going to have to put some action to their faith. There's going to be risk involved. Come on, can you see this? This is how you live by faith. And it's not just going to all happen in three days. How long is it going to take to take all this? And when they realized they had a responsibility and they were going to have to take it, they didn't just get depressed. They rebelled. They rebelled against God and they told him and his ministers, no, not only no, but no way. And we can't. And you're fired. We're going to get us a new preacher. One's not always telling us that we got to do something. We're going to heap to ourselves, teachers, because we got itching ears that will tell us fables because we like stories and we want to hear stories, happy stories only that require nothing of us. And we'll bring all our friends. 
Now we won't give and we won't work, but we'll come, especially if we like the music. <laughs> None of this is in my notes. <laughs> And I got nobody in mind. I got nobody. I'm honest. I got nobody in mind. (laughs) But that's not my people. That's being spiritually lazy. As well as disobedient. That's not my people. Any of us could be that way any day we, we, we start thinking wrong. But by the grace of God, I'm saying I'm not going to be a hard-headed, stubborn, disobedient, unbelieving person. God has done too much. Too much for me. And I've seen him do too much for me to turn around and tell him what he can't do and what I can't do with his help. There is nothing. Too hard for God. There is nothing too big for God. Nothing. And there's nothing he cannot do in me and through me and by me with his help. I can do all things. Somebody say all things. All all things. Let's finish this up. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) Let me pause just a moment. This is. (laughs) This is pretty strong. Glory to God. Are you letting this sink into your spirit? Are you going to recognize that nevertheless? That but? Are you you going to smell that before it gets in the room? You're going to, eh. Uh Uh-uh. We don't. It's really worse than profanity. Because a lot of profanity doesn't carry the spiritual penalty that some of this does. They didn't wander around uh, in the desert and die young because they used four-letter cuss words. (laughs) This is worse. I'm I'm not encouraging cussing. I don't believe in it. But you know why I'm saying it? There are people, I mean, oh, they'd be aghast if, if somebody used a, a foul, profane word. But they'll get right up in your face and say, well, I know I can't. That's a four-letter word. C-A-N-T. Can't. Don't you, don't you like it? You know, why you get stirred up when I read this verse? It's not just because of what I'm saying and doing. Deep calls to deep. You, you are a child of God. You, you got a, a measure of the very God kind of faith inside you. And when you hear Caleb stand up and talk like this, something inside you stands up and goes, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. You tell him, Caleb. Caleb still the people. He finally got them to hush. He said, man, 
No, no warm up. No, no preamble. <laughs> what, what does he lead with? Let's go. Let's go now. Let, let's go right now and get it. Let's go get it. Because we are well able. We're well able. We are well able to take this thing. Oh, somebody say glory to God. We're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him, what would they say? You can't get any more opposite than that. We are well able to get it. Let's go get it. What would they say? We are not able. We can do it. No, we can't. And you will encounter this. You set out to believe God, you will encounter this. And the further you go with Him, and the greater your measure of faith starts reaching, you're going to keep running into, you can't, you can't, you can't, you will never, you won't. That will not happen in this lifetime. No. And of your own self, you can't just do anything. But if the Lord told you, and he had to, did he tell them? He said, I've given this to you. We were, uh, oh, this, this must have been 30 some years ago, holding a meeting in a small church. Interesting because the back metal, little, little tin metal building and the back wall to the platform shared a wall with the spray wand car wash. <laughs> and so when we would, uh, am I telling you right here? And so I'd be preaching and all at once, you know how those things vibrate? <laughs> like that. And it, they were used to it, but the guests were not used to it. They're like, what in the world is that? And I think they had, they have 30 people, 40 people. Something like that. Maybe early stages of their church. Well, earlier, we were there for a, a, a whole week, I think. This is earlier, earlier days of our ministry, too. And uh, We had gone by this brand new little shopping strip thing. What would you call that? Did I say that right? Shopping strip? It was a grocery store and several other things. New. Brand new. Brick. Pretty. And they had told us that that was for sale. And that was it. We we went. And after, I don't know, third or fourth night in the meeting, we went home. And the lady was a good cook and made us some sandwiches and stuff. And we were just sitting in the living room. And these people I, I knew actually, uh, well, I won't go into all that. But um, I knew that they believed like us. And I said, uh, I, I have a sense that we should pray. Well, man, we just all slipped off our, our uh, chairs and started praying. Yeah, they called their children and said, come, come now. And they came and they knelt with us and prayed. We all prayed for, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. I mean, a little while at least. And while I'm praying, the Lord dealt with me, go to that new shopping mall thing. I told them. They didn't ask why. He started going and getting the truck, the, the van. And we, we loaded up. We drove over there, and I don't know why I'm there, but we're walking around. I mean, it's by this time, it's what, pushing midnight or something, and nobody's around at all. 
And just the street lights on. We're walking around. So we just prayed in the Spirit some more. And the Spirit of God came on me. I turned and looked at the pastors. I said, do you not know that the Lord has given you this? This is yours. The Lord has given you this. What? The whole thing. They both said, yes. Yes. We believe it. You know what they didn't say? I just don't know if we could. See, there what, 40 people? Anyway, man, they embraced it. We shouted over it. We spent several minutes walking around praising God, giving glory to God, thanking God for their new shopping center. Well, we finished the meeting. We went home. And uh, I don't know. A few months later, I, uh, I called him. And he said they had checked on it. And they told him no way, no how. <laughs> not with them. They didn't qualify. And there was nothing to do. And not, nothing to talk about. And on and on. And a few months later, I called. Uh, and, and, and he said, praise God. He said, I. I've been feeling a little weary on this thing. And, and the Spirit of God quickened him and stirred him up again. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but the banker that uh, had the loans and what kind of thing to it, something happened. The owner, well, something happened. Somebody happened. God dealt with the man who owned it, who also owned other stuff in town. And he had a lot of business in this bank. And he went to the president of the bank. And he said, uh, I hear this preacher has talked to you about buying my, my thing over there. He said, yeah, but you know, there's, there's nothing there. And he said, I'm selling this to this preacher with you or without you. <laughs> and he said, with, with us. With, <laughs> with us. And they got an amazing deal, and they moved their little bunch into one corner of it, and they were getting rent from all these other places, and they grew until they took in what used to be the whole grocery store and made it made it into a church. Oh, glory to God. It was beautiful, and the money came in. But how does faith come? Come on, help me. How could you have faith for that? You got to hear from the Lord. Is that right? And in that case, the Lord, it wasn't just me. The Lord said to him, do you not know? I have given you this. He must have been dealing with them something about it. Or they wouldn't have taken us by there. You know, just to show us how pretty it was. But it just I'm sure it seemed too big to even bring up and, and talk about at their stage of development. But it wasn't too big. And it wasn't too big for God. Keep reading. They said we're not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. What they didn't know that they found out later. When they talked to Rahab, the people were scared of them. They were shaking in their boots. God had already prepared the way. But they didn't know that. And uh, they said, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. 
And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. See, this is one thing that really angered the Lord. They changed what he said. He said, it's a land that flows with milk and honey. They said, it's a land that will eat you alive. And they brought up an evil report on the land. They called it something slanderous that God called beautiful and blessing. We saw the giants there. Verse chapter 14, 1, this flows together. All the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Watch about crying. I said, watch about crying. There is a happy cry. I said, there is a happy cry. Yes, there is. And there's even a, a, a cry, a, a tear of repentance. And there's a tear of joy. But there's a lot of crying that's unbelief and yielding to wrong stuff. Anytime you catch yourself crying and especially sobbing and, and, and feeling terrible, you are yielding to some wrong spirits. Stop it immediately. Resist it. Dry your tears. Stand up. And quote Caleb. We can do this. Come on, practice it with me. We, we can do this. We can get this. We can get it all. We're well able. Because he is with us. He, he is in us. We can do this. We are doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're not trying it. We're doing it. Doing what? What the Lord told us to do. You gotta, you gotta have that. Not just something you came up with. But when you got what He told you, you can be bold as a lion. They wept all that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said to him, Now this is the results of crying and feeling sorry for yourself all night. You get mean. You get disrespectful and bitter and think you're justified in your caustic Words and response because you've been so mistreated and, and been through so much that you can yell at people and cuss people and all this other kind. There's never any justification for that. Never. Never. We had one fellow, a pastor one time said that he thought God gave us our spouse to vent on. You know, so that we wouldn't just do it with everybody else. No. No. Sometimes people say when people are all, you know, depressed and mad and angry and bitter, just, just, just let it out. Just let it out. No. Don't let it in. Don't let it in. The more you're venting it and saying it, you are yielding to wrong spirits. And it will get worse. It'll just get worse and worse and worse. Here's what they're saying now. I wish we had died in Egypt. I wish we had died. 
Why could we die in Egypt? Or, or we died in the desert on the way over here. I wish I was dead. They didn't get that from God. Why has the Lord brought us into this land? To fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Look the steps it goes to. Look what happens next. Let's get a, a captain. A.K.A. not Moses. And Aaron. <laughs> Why? Or Caleb. we got to get rid of them too. What do you mean? Don't you remember? You read just a little bit further. They want to stone Caleb and Joshua. They want to kill them. Because their faith is showing up their unbelief. They want somebody that will pet them. <laughs> Let us make a captain... And let us return to Egypt. This, this is full out rebellion against God. No, we're not going that way. And we're done with your preachers. We're going to get us some new ones. And we're going back to Egypt. And Caleb, verse 6, Joshua and Caleb grabbed their clothes and ripped them. And they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? The land that we passed through to search, it is an exceeding good land. You saw it. And if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into this land and he will give it to us. The land that flows with milk and honey, only rebel not. Do you see why it's called evil unbelief? It's not ignorance. It's defiance. It's rebellion. Blatant rebellion against God. Don't rebel against the God. Don't fear the people. They're, they're bred for us. We can take them. Their defense is departed. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And verse 11, they have gone too far. The Lord interrupted them. And I'm going to paraphrase. He said, that's it. They have done this to me ten times in a row since we left, since I got them out of Egyptian bondage. And what's a, they are a stiff-necked people. They don't know my ways. We just got through reading in Hebrews 3 and 4. What did he say? They are not going in. What's going to happen to them? They are going to get exactly what they said. If you read the rest of that chapter, he said, what you said is going to happen. And you've been saying this in my ears, that we're all going to die out here in the desert. That's what you're going to get. You're going to have what you said. It wasn't his choice. It was their choice. All of us have made mistakes. Abram and Sarah. Had a rocky start. Is that right? Yes, sir. In their faith walk with God. When they first heard what God was talking about, both of them, they were like, you know, Abram said, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And the Bible said, God, that, that was the end of their conversation. And after he answered him, and finally they had to come back around to this. And Sarah, you know, when she heard about it, she laughed. She thought it was funny. She thought, you got to be kidding me. 
But they didn't stay there. They made the turn. They made the change. They accepted the name change. They embraced what God told them. All of us have had rocky moments. But don't stay there. Don't live there. And you've been around people that will want to tell you the wrong thing. But that's not your people. Do you have faith, friends? You need faith, friends. You need faith for you need people you can talk to and, and fellowship with and, and hang with. And, and even without going into details, you can call them sometime and say, uh, hey, um, tell me how we're going to do this thing. How we, we are going to break through. You remember? You remember? And they'll go, are you, what are you talking about? God is going to put you over the top so big. I mean, you're so blessed. The blessed people are going to call you blessed. And then maybe a few months later, it's the other way around. You know, they're, they're calling you. But God has never failed us. He's never failed anybody. Nobody ever trusted in him and was disappointed or made ashamed. Ever. Never. Never happened. Never going to happen. To those that believe him, he always causes you to try. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, somebody say praise God. Lift your hands. Lift your voices.